you're not a victim. You're doing it. And when you're ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. Hello and welcome to the Humble You Podcast, where we talk all things mind, body, and life. And this podcast features a conversation with Daryl Snipe. Daryl is a certified wellness consultant, has a master's in social work, and is a fitness enthusiast. I found him through Instagram, and we've been enjoying conversations back and forth, and I especially have been enjoying his wellness tips of the day. So, Daryl, it's a pleasure to have you on this podcast. Welcome. Yeah, thanks, man. It's really a pleasure um, and really awesome just to be on here. I listened to some of your former people and I'm just like blown away. So really mm-hmm. honored to be here and uh, thanks for giving me a chance. No, definitely. It's a pleasure to have you on here and nobody really understands the behind the scenes of the podcast. We had a tropical storm here in New Jersey and it took a little bit to get the power back on. So we finally got this going and um, you know, I've been excited for this. And before we get into your, your, your story, before we get into what you're doing now, I'm wondering sort of what happened to get you to this point? What led you to become interested in helping and serving others? Uh, well, you know, that's kind of a long story, but uh, I try to make it quick as possible. So I joined the uh, military at the young age of 18. Um, and, you know, I, I, I was in the company of having a, a great leader, and uh, Sergeant Haynes, I'll never forget him. And he just kind of had that counseling style. And that would ma- that's what made me want to uh, follow that counseling path. And I always was interested in it. And so, you know, fast forward, I was in the military for eight years. I slowly was doing school like a little bit while I was in. And when I got out, it was, it was a lot quicker to get my uh, bachelor's because I already got a lot lot done while I was in. And then uh, fast forward, it was just, I was like, well, I don't know what I should do. So then I decided to go into social work just because, uh, and this is an honest answer, when you, when you help someone um, achieve their goals, um, I realized real quick that you don't, you, you don't graduate from high school every day. You know, you don't lose 50 pounds every day. Um, but if you're able to like help someone get there, you can at least share in that glory. So it's kind of selfish, my reasons for helping people, but I love being a part of people's uh, story. I love being a part of people's like their win. And so, and I know like things like that can't happen every day, but you, you can at least feel that from other people when they're telling you their success stories, you can be a part of it. Like, wow, I was a part of that journey with them. So that's what, that's really my selfish reason for being in the business of like, you know, wanting to help people. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's, that's basically it. I love that so much. Uh, It's so funny you say that, Uh, you know, I feel the same way sometimes. It's like, am I doing this just for myself? But then no, it's a win-win, you know, and I love win-wins where I'm gaining experience. I'm gaining wisdom from others and hearing their stories and and just learning from them. And then they're also gaining, uh, you know, providing from, uh, provided from, you know, what I'm giving other people. So it it really is a win-win and that helps me from I guess seeing it from me being selfish to seeing it as a, you know, kind of a relationship in a sense. Yeah. 
So I'm wondering, before you got into the military, did you have any interest in psychology or counseling or helping others? Or was it really that military experience that? It was really just that. To me, it was just that military experience. Um, Hmm. It was my, my, like I said, my leadership, he had a different leadership style where he wasn't like someone that was, you could just walk over. But at the same time, it meant a lot that he figured out what motivated us individually. Mm. Um, So every month, a good leader would sit down with their subordinates and talk to them and get to know them on a personal level, which in the military, like in the Marine Corps, that's like a big deal. Mm. And so you're like, what is this guy asking me stuff about like, you know, how I grew up and trying to figure out my interest and things like that. And it's all about really giving you that time. So that way it it helps like to push you a little bit more um, towards the mission because it's like, all right, well, they understand. He understands where I'm coming from. We can all come together and accomplish this whatever goal. Mm. So um, I just saw how powerful that was for me. And I just kind of like, was kind of interested in the counseling field because of that, because I saw how, how much it meant to me, like just for someone to like sit down and be like, all right, so, you know, try to, trying to get to know me. But at the same time, it wasn't like that every day, but mm-hmm. that little sit down, those little sit downs once a month was like, like, wow, this, this, this process kind of works. Yeah. You notice the power of it. And then you yeah. want to kind of go and give that power uh, to yeah. others. So you started off with social working. Um, how long did you last in, or are you still a social worker? So, I mean, I still consider myself a social worker, but uh, I actually finally gave it up. It was a really, it's a really hard job. Um, yeah. Yeah. And some of it personally uh, was because of, just the medical module in general is something that I, I can't fully get behind. And I think that impacted my decision-making, but basically like I'm just now starting out as a wellness consultant. I got my wellness consultant uh, certificate online through NAFC. Forgot what the acronym stands for, but you, anyone can look it up online if they're interested. Um, so I got it through there, and it was just basically I'm just, I just love to read. I just love to learn new things about the body, the mind, you know, even the spirit. Reading some Deepak Chopper stuff. Mm. So uh, doing social work, I decided to be a wellness counselor instead. Was because I believe more in the in in that module, like in the in the social work field or psychology or psychiatry, anything dealing with um, insurance companies, a lot of times you have to have what you call it a code. Mm-hmm. And it comes from the ICD-10 uh, code in order to, to bill and charge for that service. And so for me, I just, I just kind of left that field. And it's really a deeper story than that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my sister, she passed away. Um, she was in the military as well. And one thing that I will always tell her, she used to dance. She, that, was, that was her thing. Like she would dance and I would always tell her like, oh, you, when I was in, cause I'm still in California, but I would tell her like, look, when you're, when you're, uh, when you get out here, you're going to come out here, you're going to start, you're going to make your own studio. She just loved dance and she's really good at it. She's really good at teaching it. And so I would always try to push her to like, you know, get out of her comfort zone and just do it. And so, uh, you know, when she passed away, it was kind of like one of those things where I realized life is short and you don't have time to 
to do something that you don't really fully can't fully get behind and so uh and then fast forward at my last job um one of the it was death again death showed up again with uh one of my coworkers. um his name was brandon Sell. he was a great guy um navy veteran and i was just now getting on the social work job and i was Basically, we're dealing with homeless individuals, and it was a it was a tough, demanding job. Um, and I never found out the reason for his death, but I remember he had he was having some chest pains at work one day, and he had to leave because um, you know his, his his chest was hurting. And he took some time off, and he came back, and like three days later, we're going to his funeral, and that was just traumatizing as well. And that, I've never really dealt with death the same after I lost my sister. Now, when I, when I, if I lose someone, even if they're not that close to me, or if I just see something on TV, now it hits home a little bit more because I realize, hey, people, you know, and a lot of times I hurt for the family because I know what they're going through. Well, anyways, long story short, he, he basically, want, he, was, he would have talks with me. Um, he was a very religious guy. Uh, and he would tell me that he was interested in doing um, like some chaplain work, actually doing counseling work. But he was a he was actually a nurse that worked in a facility. So he he had he had a great big heart that wanted to sit down with each each one of them and like really just do some like real counseling with them. But that wasn't his role. And so he would tell me that that's what he wanted to do. And so like I said again, um, that that knock just came. Like, look, life is short. You better do what you want to do because it's not like you got all day here. Well, you know, you know what I mean? You don't have a long time here on this earth. So that when that happened, there were some other things that happened at work, of course. Uh, and I'm not trying to, you know, for me, I, I think the reason why it was so challenging to me is because for one, I can't type. So it takes me forever to type and you gotta be, even though you're a social worker, when it's time to turn those notes, you gotta be like, able to type you got to be able to do certain things um and i was good at the with the people but i was never good with them dealing with the medical module and uh billing and things like of that nature mm-hmm. and so it was just always uh, like i was pushing against the wind and it was very scary but i decided to just jump out of the window and i took a lesser role where, where i would work in a house with individuals that had severe mental health disorders because people with Mm. severe mental health disorders um i'm not gonna say they never really bothered me but i do feel like i just have like the personality to kind of deal with them and it doesn't really it's 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 been it's been a skill it is a skill that you learn so Mm -hmm. that didn't that part of the job did not bother me it was more so the stress the paperwork the getting the you know getting things turned in Mm. um making sure that you're ending up to not only your boss but the people above your boss and so i just literally i jumped out of the window just left work ended up getting an interview at another place that they're i just got a text the other day that they're about to shut down um so and then i saw this thing online for uh row house and it's a group fitness thing and i've never i've never done group fitness of course i was in the military but i never done it and it it was an ad and they're paying a pretty high amount. And I'm like, what do I got to lose? You know? So I just do the video, 
I send it in. Next thing you know, I get like an interview. Nice. And it's crazy. The lady that hired me is no longer there. She like, she's no longer with the company and like, <laughs> loving it. It's like, I, I love group fitness. It's one of the, it's, it's like, I miss being there right now. We can't do it right now because of the quarantine, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I hope I didn't, I hope I didn't over answer your question. No, no. <laughs> you know, it's funny because when I, when I hear somebody answering questions, I start to try to you know, put a couple words in my head for, for like yeah. a comeback. And, and one of the big things, there's a lot of things I have, but one of the big things is stoic philosophy. Are you familiar with the stoic philosophy, more like a Marcus Aurelius type? No, no, like me. Okay. So what they like to do is they like to see death and kind of use it as a therapy. So you, you, you know that that's there. You're not going to be scared of it. You know that that's the end result. So it builds that desire kind of like you've been impacted with, with the death of your sister and friends that you, you know, take your life a little bit more serious and, and know that the minute things that you worry about aren't that big of a deal because at the end of the day, you know, we're all, unfortunately, we all have the same fate. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good philosophy for, for kind of grounding yourself to this earth and, and really getting a good understanding of, of what's, you know, what's, what's ahead and what you can do with the time while you're here. Yeah. And then the other thing that was coming up is wellness. So wellness, which I also have a certification in, um, and I had a choice between performance, wellness, and, and a regular just life coaching. Why I love wellness is because we're mind and body and wellness combines both mind and body. Um, and it's funny you're talking about the science and, and administrative work that, you know, you weren't really, I guess, connecting with when you were doing your social working. And it's almost like each individual is, is different and, and we all have our own unique upbringings and our own unique traits. And really, if you get too tied into the books and you get too tied into keeping the notes how you're supposed to, there's not that holistic, true dynamic relationship. And I feel like that's what's really what at least I love about coaching and probably what led you to get your certification. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just want to be able to help people in a real way, you know? Um, so, and I, and I'm not saying that people that do do the other way that they're not helping people in a real way. Cause they certainly are. Yeah. It's just that that way of doing it, didn't fit fit me mm-hmm. um, in order to help you know the way that I do things so you know it's it's a I still salute anyone that's still that's out there that's doing it because we definitely need social workers we definitely need uh, you know therapists out there I just I just know that the best way for me in order to help individuals is going to be more on just talking about what are you eating? How many, how much sleep are you getting? You know, talking about those things rather than discussing, you know, the medication or discussing, um, you know, family history and things, things of that nature, but it's good. I got to understand it. Um, so, Mm. so speaking of medication, um, I'm wondering about, we were talking a little bit in our pre podcast about the pharmacy industry, um, you know, and, and your thoughts about that. Maybe you can expand upon that. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm still reading a lot on the pharmaceutical companies, but one thing that really caught my eye, it's on Netflix. I'm going to cheat by looking at my phone here. It, <laughs> they're talk, it's called Dirty Money. This, so that was the first thing. It was called Dirty Money. And they're basically talking about uh, Valiant. It's now known as Bosch Health Companies. Um, but Valiant would 
buy out these pharmaceutical companies and then they were marking up the price of the product. Um, and so that was kind of eye opening, but it was really like, like we were talking about uh, when, I when I was talking with you, one of the things that really caught my eye be because it just felt um, full circle was because I'm trying to get my master's in social work and I would, I still had, you know, a daughter, I still had to, you know, maintain, I was adult, I was an adult, I'm like 28 years old, you know, so I still have to, you know, be an adult, so I had to work, I did a work, picked up a work study job at the VA, and this was this one guy, he would always talk about bullets and medicine, and he would just give me this speech, like, he did it like twice, and he would always end, the, it was like a long speech of why medicine and bullets will never leave the U.S. And at the end, he goes, and that is why bullets in medicine will never leave. But in that, he was he would talk about how uh, the, the medicine, how the pharmaceutical companies would send out, you know, sales representatives to the doctor's offices and that they would sell these products. And of course, they have the advertising that's out there that people grasp to. And really, the, one of the bigger, bigger issues is that you know, we as Americans, most of us, we do subscribe to that uh, we can get this pill and then it's going to go away. So it's not, it's, it's kind of like bad news, you know, bad news is on the, it's, bad news is on the TV or whatever you listen to because people like to listen to it. So um, pharmaceutical companies are doing what they're doing because people like to just the word drug nation. We like yeah. illicit drugs and we like over the counter drugs as well. Yeah. So that's the reason why they're doing what they're doing. But I got to see this firsthand and my, one of my first, I'd say real jobs. I had so many jobs in social work. My first one was working with teenagers as a behavioral coach. Mm. Um, and the only reason I couldn't do that was because I was a single parent at the time. I had to use my my wife now. She would take care of my kid like while I'm at work. Wow. And it just got too much. So I went to go get a real job in the, you know, as a, a regular nine to five in the social work world. And it, the place that the only place that was open at the time that I needed a real nine to five happened to be this uh, facility where they provide medication, but only for people that were severely had severe mental health, you know, issues. So I'm not saying that these people didn't need the medication. Mm -hmm. Um, but basically our job was to listen to the symptoms and decide whether or not this person had, had a severe, was it severe depression? Is it severe anxiety? Is it, um, is it actually schizophrenia? Is it bipolar? We would have to listen to that. And if it, if it did fill in the blanks, they would meet the criteria to be there at that facility. Hmm. And basically this facility handed out the medication for them, not there, but they would give them the prescription to go pick it up. That made it legal for them to go actually pick it up. Hmm. And while we were there, um, every, I mean, at least every two to three days out of the week, you see these group of people that come in, they're dressed really jazzy and they would have Chick-fil-A for us. Sometimes they would have, uh, you know, pizza if we wanted it. It was never anything cheap, not like Pizza Hut. This is like good stuff, like gourmet type food. And so we would put it on the board 
they would put it on the board like, hey, on this day, this group's coming. And they basically were coming to talk to the doctors, not really talk to us, but they would explain what the medication was that they were giving out. And so they were nice people, but it just, it just took me back to when I was a work study and this guy is giving me this speech about, oh, a pretty lady walking down in the doctor's office. Why? Because she wants to give out. It, his speech was definitely not something that, you know, it was very, it was very like homeboyish, like to, to you and me, but, but I got to see it, you know? Mm-hmm. And like when I got to see it, it just did something like to me where I was like, okay, well, you know, I, and I knew medication wasn't all bad, but it's just the fact that he said that. And then now I'm seeing these people come and sell this medication to the doctor to try to get him prescribed it. It was like, wow. Yeah. So, you know, um, and and like you said, some people do need some of the medicines, like bipolar yeah. syndrome. You know, some people do need some medicine yeah, to help them out, but it's so easy to give your dependency onto the medicine, so yeah. you don't have to do it yourself, and that's the issue. Yeah, some of the some of the people that would go there, they would they would ask about that stuff. But I learned from one of my because when you're in social work, you got to constantly get supervised, and I learned from someone that was, you know, very. Uh, he very professional and he had a, a lot of he learned a lot he's been in the field for so many years he's he said i mean we can research this but he said that the only two uh mental health that disorders that you'll need medication for for sure for the rest of your life is bipolar and schizophrenia and that's because there is a chemical imbalance mm-hmm. but everything else um depression um anxiety you know, so anxiety could be, you know, generalized anxiety, it could be OCD, anything, anything other than those two, you can use medication, but the, the purpose uh, to use the medication was to be in conjunction with therapy. So that way you're, that makes it easier for you to learn a new habit. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. learn, you learn a new way of doing things. Like if you have like high anxiety, and so you start taking, you know, anxiety medication, but at the same time, you're getting therapy to deal with that. And then you kind of wean off the medication. That's how it was supposed to be done. Yeah. But we ended up not going that route. No, no. Like it became a big business. Uh, and it's and it's really sad to see because lives are affected from it. You know, it's not it's it's not just all fun and games and pretty ladies walking around and, and you guys getting great food. It's people's lives being affected because they don't realize that they have the power to be able to fix this on their own. And it's tough because the doctors are almost in this middle ground where they have to play with the insurance companies and these and these pharmaceutical companies, but they also care about some of them do care about their patients. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's really a, a little dance that the doctors have to play, and there are some good apples and bad apples. And it's funny because I see the same relation almost in the media. It's like when I was in the media, I was starting to see all the lies and the fake news that was coming out, and I was like, "What is going on here?" You know, and it's amazing that both you and I could see. Uh, you know, almost like the manipulation of humanity in a sense yeah. because of business and money. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really big. I mean, I'm sure that the doctors, when they are prescribing, I'm sure if they don't prescribe, then it's like, why didn't you prescribe this medication? They, they're telling you they have this set of symptoms. And so, you know, they, they're kind of forced to kind of look at, I mean, it's it's really hard for them to balance 
mm-hmm. the person and then that book, that ICD-10, because the insurance companies only pay what the ICD-10 says that you have. So well, I, I don't want to say that I'm in a battle towards the pharmaceutical companies because that'd be, <laughs> but I, I am, I think that I do want to provide, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to go into the wellness field to provide, um, you know, people with an outlet other than what's out there right now, the medical model, not saying that we don't need it. We need the medical model, yeah. right? We do, we, our wellness practices should be i think built up to where they're they're right there at eye level with the medical model so people don't always have to just go always just go to the doctor maybe they can go to see a wellness consultant maybe they go to a group fitness class you know what i mean um so and I like that balance of like, you know, if somebody's really chemically imbalanced in the brain in some area, having a little bit of medicine, but also weaning off while you're ther- doing therapy with someone like you, you know, and yeah. I think that's power, you know, if, if the psychologists and the therapists and the counselors can work with coaches and they can figure out the whys and then we can deal with the hows and we could champion while they, you know, kind of provide a, the reasons why, you know, maybe somebody's in a current state that they're in. That that combination would be powerful. Yep. So another thing that uh, that I'm thinking about with this is, and this is something that's bothered me because I studied psychology, and as a not a psychologist but a psychiatrist, if somebody comes into your office and they're just telling you certain symptoms, how do you know? as a psychiatrist that they're truly dealing with that and not just manipulating you to get the drug um, in order to get that euphoria or feeling off of whatever drug they're hoping for, especially like an ADHD type. Yeah. Sometimes specific tests for that. Yeah. Sometimes you can go, they have, they do have like a test. I can't remember the name of that right now, but that is designed to see if the person is lying. And then also, as a therapist or as a back in then I was a clinician, um, we would like listen and then you listen to certain things. Certain things won't really add up. Yeah. Yeah. There might be like a, like a pattern that you start noticing in people. Mm. So uh, your Instagram page, you said to me that, you know, there, that you hope that somebody can get something off your page and it's free. You're, you're producing a lot of really cool content. Um, yeah. I said earlier in the intro, the wellness tip of the day, you know, I really love that video because it's not only you producing something uh, out that somebody could possibly take and, and, and it could spark something within, but you're also putting yourself out there. So I'm wondering, was that a difficult process to be able to put yourself on video and actually, you know, personify yourself out into the internet? Yeah, you know, it was. Um, one of the things, I'm wearing his shirt today. Um, one of my friends grew up with him, and I moved around a lot. But he, his name is uh, Jeremy McCoy. And he just put himself out there. He started rapping. Now, it's not like typical. His is very like J. Cole-ish type of rap. And so he's young. He's like a year or two younger than me. Okay. But he really just put himself out there, you know, and um, I look up to him for that. Mm. Um, and he just signed a, a deal uh, with a record company. Ooh, so, nice. yeah, and he was really big in the mental health field. And we're like brothers, man. We like grew up in a small town. Uh, 
So we, we've always hung out with each other at least three times a week growing up. But um, he really, you know, influenced, well, I don't want to say, he, he was one of the primary motivators, people that I used to look at to say, you know what, just do you, just go for it. Don't be concerned about, you know, because he would do, not only would he like rap and stuff, but he would put things on his Instagram page and uh, he, he even did his own podcast where he'd be talking about things uh, mental health related, but just how it related to him. Hmm. And that's another thing that I want to implement into uh, We Do Wellness, which is the company that I just started, um, is I want it to be a place where people don't have, because I think a lot of times what, what keeps people away from seeking the path is that they think that you have to be a certain kind of person or you, you know, you got to be this way, you got to be that way. And they just stay away from it at all, like yeah. flat out. And they don't understand that really it's just a process. Like someone that's been enlightened or someone that's been on that wellness path for 10 years, of course, they're going to look different, act different from you because they have different boundaries and all these things that they've developed mm. over that 10 years. So I really just wanted to give people a place because I know that right now I'm not all the way there. So a lot of the things that I talk about are even things for me to kind of learn, to kind of start, you know, um, one of the things that I posted that I do every Saturday now is like when it's time to clean, I literally get dressed and I prepare to clean. Like I'm like, I just hired myself to clean. And so I carry, that. All, I carry all my tools with me. Wow. So if you were to see that and you see me like 10 years from now, you know, you, you looking at me carrying my tools while I'm cleaning, you're going to think I'm crazy, but it's just a small step in the path that I've, t- that I've taken, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just want to really encourage people that don't want to take the path. It's not that they don't want, I, be, I seriously believe that it's not that people don't want to take the path. It's just that they, see people on that path and they're like there's no way I could be yeah. like that and they just rather just stay where they're at instead of taking those small steps yeah um, so and it's a uh, you know personally for me uh, I, I just started this this whole online platform about three months ago and I was struggling and, and this is no lie for about two years I would get to a point where I'm like I'm ready to go I'm ready to put myself out there and then I would get scared to death who cares about what I have to say? You know, and, and that self-talk, the fear and self-talk just put you back down and then you bring yourself back up and you're ready to go and then boom, you know, and it's like this game I played with myself. And it yeah. wasn't until coronavirus where I said, you know what, who cares? Yeah. And then boom, you know, yeah, yeah. people from all over the world and it's only been a couple months. So anybody out there, you know, really just do it. Who cares? You're not going to be perfect ever let alone yeah. especially your first couple of weeks, you know? Yeah, and then no one really cares. Like, even if you mess up, no one's paying attention to you as much as you think that they are, you know? Exactly. Yep. So, you know, <laughs> it's one of the things that he kind of said that kind of sparked a light in me was like, he's like, when he's, because think about it, he's like in his, he's in his beginning of his 30s and he's just deciding to like, okay, I want to be this, hip-hop artists all of a sudden like that's that's really hard for people to like look at and be like what are you doing you know but he's like on one of his like uh podcasts he was saying and you can look him up he's the real mccoy on instagram 
Jeremy McCoy, you can look up his music. But he's like, you know what? On one of his podcasts, he's like, you know what? There's X amount of people in the world. So if only a certain percent of the people in the world like what you're doing, you're still going to have a lot of people that like what you're doing. That's mm-hmm. how many people are in the world. So there's just one of, one of those things that he would just put out there that I'm like, you know what? Yeah, just do it. Who cares? <laughs> and then to add on that, another thing people try to do is, the, again, back to this perfect realm, is they try to be perfect. So they put themselves in this perfect and they it's almost like a persona. They try to be this this image that they think others want. And it's so inauthentic that people could taste that. And then yeah. people like you or I who are just throwing themselves out there. Who cares? It's like, oh, I can relate to that kid because he's he's authentic. You know, he's really went through something. Yeah. And 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 that's what people really like. Would you yeah, agree? And I, yeah. And I think just just staying on the hip hop ground, mm. one one person that I really uh think about that blew up like that is Cardi B. She was like, she would just put herself out there and she would just say stuff that people are already thinking and people just automatically related to her. And now she's like, of course, like blown up. But yeah, I'm thinking about like when she was first starting, you know, just doing these rants on Instagram and people would, you know, she just put herself out there. And she so, was a stripper, right? Yeah, she was a stripper. I love you know that. what I mean? Like she just put herself out there. Yeah. Because, you know, there's only one you. So if you're listening to this, there's only one you. Yeah, no, that's it, you know? And and, and what's scary is the void and the unknown. It's scary to to, yeah. to not know what's, what's ahead and, and how things are going to go. But the more you're comfortable with just who cares, <laughs> in a sense, um, you know, it just takes you on a ride. And speaking of reflection, there's a lot going on in the social justice realm. Um, with with the George George Floyd death, uh, I'm wondering for you personally tied to it, you know, what are your thoughts on this? So for me, uh, you know, I I really think that this is anyone that asks me, I always tell them I think that this has been great for the African American community. It's not because of you know the rioting in the streets. I just think that before we all didn't have that time to go out there and protest something like this. It's been happening. It's been happening a long time. I've had a, I had one of my cousins got shot by the police uh, mm. when I was growing up. Mm. He died. I mean, granted he was a drug dealer. I'm not trying to say that he wasn't doing anything wrong. Okay. I don't, I don't know. But the fact is, I don't know. For me and for, for my community, we always just, we always just say, you know what, he got killed, you know, because that's one of the risks that you take if you're black and you do something that's not, you know, law-abiding. And it's sad to say that, but it's true. We just kind of swallowed the pill, like, oh, yeah, he died because he was, you know, drug dealing, but he probably didn't deserve to die, you know. Um, but cops said, like, he was shooting at him. It's like a, a weird story. But anyways, like, with this all happening, I think it was great for African-Americans to see that the majority of the nation has your back. You know, the majority of the nation stands with you. No one wants to see, you know, blacks get um, mistreated or killed for things that anyone else can do. And they, you know, may not even go to jail for. So um, that was great. Mm. Uh, And I, and then I, did a rant on well not a rant but i just discussed racism on my instagram and racism is anytime that someone you know looks at you and they think they're superior simply because of their race that's what 
racism is. Now we prejudiceness and uh, you know bigotry and all those other things are a lot more um, widely defined and a lot more harder to judge. But racism really is like flat out. This person thinks that they're superior to you because of their this, their race. So um, you know, basically, I just was talking about how. Can you imagine, I have, my way of getting through um, racism is, you know, really having empathy for that person because to me that's a mental health disorder and there is a long story, but I used to work in the, uh, I used to work in the 5150 field of, of like watching these, um, watching these, these, these patients that come in and it's my job to make sure that they don't leave. As a security guard, I had to make sure that they wouldn't run out the door because if they did, the hospital would get get um, fined like twenty five thousand mm. dollars. So, uh, and this is why I believe that race uh, having a racist belief is uh, a mental health disorder because a lot of times when I was there, uh, that's the only time that I. I mean, I've heard. I've heard the other colors say, you know, the N-word. I'm not going to, like, but I've never heard it in a derogatory way. Like, my first time hearing it was actually with someone that I served with. And he was white. And he's, like, he's trying to say it in a term of endearment, but it just didn't go well. He just And I just started laughing at him. And I'm, like, you're not a, you're not an N-word. You know what I'm saying? I'm, like, you're not a nigga. You know what I'm saying? He's, like, he's, like, he was so sad when I said that to him that he's just, like, his face was like, he's like, oh, I'm not one of you guys. He was like, always want to hang around, you know, <laughs> nothing but black people. He's just pretty much like a black guy. But mm. um, anyway, so that was my first, in the, in the mental health ward in place, I was security guard there. That was my first time ever, like in my whole life, someone saying that to me and like straight up meaning it. And I'm like the security guard there, you know, and it's, it's like my, I was like a weekend on the job. Mm. So this person's there and starts saying the N-word. And, like, me as a security guard, it's my job to only tackle them or something, like, if they leave that room. So I, like, look at him. I smile. Of course, I'm, like, a little mad. I'm not going to lie. I was a little mad. But I was, you like, were secretly you know, hoping he was leaving so you can give him a yeah, little yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, if you leave this room, if you leave this room. <laughs> but he's, like, so then that was my – but. At the same time, 5150s are pe- for people that are having suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. or they're wanting to cause harm to someone else. Mm-hmm. So they're in a psychotic, you know, place while they're there. They're literally like, they're in ma- manic mode if they're bipolar or mm-hmm. they're in, uh, you know, a very high, high extended if they have schizophrenia. So you're literally watching that and this person is psychotic. I've seen like people that, were were there and they would just call everyone that word the n-word like even the even doctors that were white they just be so i'm like what i'm what i'm saying is like i think people that literally go around with that thought it's not a it's just something that helps people get through life and eventually it breaks down you know because and one of the funny ways that i always try to relate it to people and in the video i related to that is Imagine if you really felt superior to whatever, as human beings, we see ourselves as superior to monkeys, right? We believe that we cognitively are 
able to process faster we're smarter you know we can read monkeys can't do that so imagine if one day you woke up and like you go outside and there's a monkey going to check his mail and then there's a monkey like driving a car you're like what the hell are these monkeys you know what i mean like you would be like so that's what's going on in the mind of someone that really holds on that belief you know what i mean that every day that and so i think what happens is you get those psychotic breaks you know what i mean um so that's why I say it's a, you know, mental health uh, thing. But I think overall the, 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 the uh, protest and just what's going on is really good for black America because it just shows that mo- majority of people are there with you. Majority of people, you know, don't hold on to these beliefs. And it's just, I was trying to relate it to people so they can kind of see, because I really don't do a lot of research on, when things happen and that's because of the Trayvon Martin case Mm. because um, when Trayvon Martin got shot by a security guard, I kind of knew what was going to happen. I mean, if you, if you're, if you're, if it's a a high profile case, such as the Trayvon Martin case, um, because the way the judicial system works is you have the Supreme court, right. And all the courts underneath. So if the Supreme court rules on something, that's basically every other court under that has to follow it. So it was the same, it wasn't the same thing. Like, no, the Trayvon Martin case wasn't at the Supreme court, but it's basically saying to all these other courts that, Hey, if, if someone's black and they seem hostile, then it's okay for you to shoot them. Mm. So as a, as a, if a security guard can get away with it, I already knew that there was going to be a lot of black lives that were going to die. And I was, I actually did a, a paper on, you know, the Trayvon Martin, what, what happened. And what I found was, is that black faces are just, um, seen automatically as being more aggressive than a white face. They did a study where they had a, well, not a study, but they did a computer generated white face and a computer generated black face. And it had like, you know, 15 different things from nice all the way to like angry. And what they found was like when the, when the white face got to say like a four or when the white face got to like an eight, which is like halfway and the black face was at five, they kind of related that same amount of anger to the white face that the black face, even though, you know, the black face is making a less demeaning face. So I got to kind of see that side of it. And that's, you know, that's just computer, that's just science, mm-hmm. you know? So I do, I do still believe that, Hey, it could be possible that someone sees a black person and thinks that they are, you know, aggressive when they're really not, they're just holding their normal face. But it's just that we, as humans, we do see, um, you know, black faces as more aggressive according to that study. Um, and then, they, you know, I think that our educational system has a lot to do with uh, needs reform um, because I had it took me all the way to college to really understand and get the full scope of of what it, what how black people got here. One thing you, you as an African American, and you you're never really going to know your lineage. I mean, you could get a, a DNA test and all of that. But so when, when you're, when you've been 
in slavery, you kind of don't know like exactly your lineage, right? And I think that's something that can be mitigated through proper education. I think that if you are an African-American, you should, in, a, in public school, you should be able to learn about your your history without having to go somewhere else to learn it because I feel like that's the only way where people are going to be uh, accepting because my, my, this is me in like fourth grade because this is where it all goes down. In fourth grade, you're in class, right? And, and this is, this is our, this is our version of black history in fourth grade. They're like, all right. Yeah. And so black people came to America and they were slaves and yeah, and that's it. And then they're like, okay. And white people, you came to America, you conquered, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you defeated so the British. If you're yeah. like a little kid, you know what I mean? You're listening to that. It does some, it, it does an inferior kind of mechanism in you. Cause you're like, it's just like when you're talking about your dad when you're a kid, you're like, Oh, my dad kicked your dad's ass. Right. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Except now we're talking about a whole generation of people and you're introducing this to fourth graders. Yeah. You're telling fourth graders, if you're white, then you conquered this land. You came up with all of this, but if you're black, you were in slavery and that's how you got here. And then, and then finally Martin Luther King came and then, you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, that does something I think to African-Americans in general. So it takes, it takes um, education to kind of really understand that. And then I think really understanding that you're not the only race that has been enslaved, mm-hmm. you know, um, we're not the only race that's been enslaved. There's been a, I've I've talked with you know being in the military. I've talked with other you know Irish people. I've talked to Scotland people. They've all been enslaved at some yeah. point, and they yeah. know about it. And it's but it's not like how we come to know about the way we were enslaved. It's like yeah, you were enslaved, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then Martin Luther King came, and then you know you guys got free. And you're like what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like you know, it's like the the education system and just families in general, there, there wasn't enough awareness and to, to build in people so that when they take that test, they're not seeing a color as something that's threatening or not, you know? And if you change the education system, because if you take a fourth grader that doesn't know anything, you know, they're just, we're, we're, we're almost hypnotized as kids, just taking in the world, taking in the environment and the census to build our egos And if you're, you know, if you're installing these tendencies and traits, people might just grow up feeling that way, you know, and it's really not, it's their fault in a sense, but it's really something that that's installed early on in life. And I think this moment is something that's great because the awareness right now is not only positive and, and, and overwhelming support for this cause, but I think that the schooling systems are going to start to take this a little bit more seriously and we can get this stigma about a color of a skin away from judging another, you know, and, and if we can do that, then our children are going to grow up, they're going to teach their children and it's just going to kind of get out of the norm, sort of like you just said, everyone else has sort of been enslaved, you know, but it's not in our consciousness. We don't really have that awareness of it. Um, And I'm hoping that that's where we're heading towards. And this is like one of the big steps to get us there. Yeah, me too, me as well. (laughs) Powerful stuff. So you 
started a company to switch gears. You started a company, wedowellness.org is the, is the website. Yes. I'm wondering how that came about, what it is, and what you're hoping for. So uh, came about just because I wanted to provide people with wellness opportunities. I love talking about wellness. I love giving people those tools um, to see them thrive and to see them reach their goals. And so, you know, through social work, I wasn't able to do that. So we decided to do We Do Wellness um, to give people that place to, hey, mm. we can talk about we can talk about yoga, we can talk about meditation, we can talk about different holistic things that you can do to meet your goals, whether it be um, financial, whether it be, uh, you know, socially, physically, nutrition, whatever, we can talk about that and have a place to, to do that, have a platform to do that. And then I just wanted to start something where anyone can start. That was the biggest thing is I want it to be super relatable to people where they can come in and they don't have to feel like they should already know what, um, you know, the proper way to breathe or different things. They can come in and add tools to their, to their lifestyle right now, pick up what works for them and leave the other things behind um, and, and get on the, the path to, you know, a better life. Mm. Another thing about wellness that I forgot to mention earlier is the sustainability aspect of wellness. You know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, I need to see someone because I'm I'm sick or I'm hurting or I need to change. But even if you're doing great, just to have that sustainability to keep the wellness going is another aspect to, to have a wellness coach. Yeah, I think uh, definitely, I think wellness coaches, my vision is definitely to that's why anyone that's in the wellness field, I love to repost some of their uh, their topics because I see it as something that we as a, a as a nation just needs, mm. um, and it's for that sustainability. And it can't be just one person. It's going to take you know all of us that are in the field, and even getting more people to come to the field because it's something that's needed in our society. Um, and it's really, it's really thought of with the makeup of the American populace. Um, but I am, you know, because in India, you hear of some of the things that we discuss in wellness, you hear like they understand as not even being in the field. They're like, oh, yeah, this is just a part of our normal life. You know, in other countries, they may take a hour nap a day, we don't, you know, and that may be considered in America. If you do that, you're a slacker, you know, yeah. no, you're bummed. You know? So like, I just want it to be, like you said, the sustainability is the key to make it uh, not only the person to be able to sustain their path of wellness, but us just as a society to be able to sustain our path of wellness to where it becomes more of the norm and less of the weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the woo-woo. Uh, it seems like it's heading that way too. A lot of people get into meditation and consciousness yeah. and really caring about themselves. So um, it's good to be a part of this journey and it's good to have people like yourself uh, leading the way. So we're getting close to the end. I like to ask a few fun questions to lighten things up. It's been a pleasure so far. So thank you so much, Daryl. Um, this world is so expansive. It's so mysterious. 
And I like to ask guests what they would like to have the answer to in relation to life, mind, or body. Um, you know, one question that they've always pondered and they wish they had the answer to. So what about yourself? One question that I've always pondered that has to do with life, body. Mind or body or life. I have to say, you know, to be honest, it, it's more, might as well be spiritual. I would say, you know, like how the earth kind of came to be, how we all came to be. Um, how did things, you know, evolve to where we're at now? To be able to, to see that um, or know that would be, you know, really great. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. No one's ever said that one. Some people say consciousness. One person said death. This one's another really good one on that level. You know, how did everything get created and how are we still here? And as a former meteorologist, knowing how if, if a couple degrees were off with the way the planets tilted, we wouldn't even be able to be here. Yeah. So the exact precise calculations, it's really interesting to think about. Yeah, speaking on that, man, like, they, I was talking about this the other day. It's like there's like these meteoroids that pass Earth all the time. And they say like if if one of these meteoroids that the size of like a small rock like hits the Earth from you know where it's coming, it would just destroy us. But we're somehow still here after billions of years. No rocks exist. Like that's yeah, it's crazy. It really is crazy. Uh, so who was a big influencer on your life? Maybe a book, maybe a mentor. Uh, I guess it was possibly the the leader of the, the military you were telling me about. Yeah, but, um, and maybe another yeah, influencer besides him. <laughs> definitely, I'd say Herman Haynes, S.R. Haynes. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, I, I got to say Joel Osteen. I started reading the books when I was uh, in the military. I just gave me like my positive. That's where I get the positivity from. Hmm. Um, my mom, for sure, being a single mother, raising me, she's a very hard worker. Hmm. Man, I gained so much motivation from so many different people, you know. Uh, definitely Jeremy McCoy, uh, who I was talking about, uh, the real McCoy. He... You know, just him putting himself out there is one that is sticking out in my head right now. Mm. But there's always like sometimes I can get I can get like motivation from seeing a post. I can get motivation from you know seeing seeing people growing up that. And then a, a weird one, if you want to be, if I want to be all the way honest, I used to work with homeless people. Sometimes I get motivation from them. Wow, um, because That's powerful. Some of these people still have happiness. Some of them are happier than people with money. Some, of, you know what I mean. It's just like mm-hmm. I, I'll never forget working with one of the, one of my uh, uh, clients, and I don't know if he's still homeless or not. But I remember just to asking him, "Does he ever get sad?" Or you know, certain things like that. He wasn't on drugs or anything like that. And he would say, "Oh no, I just like to go to the park and watch the birds." You know, and mm. some of them would say how they just like watching families, and you know just certain stuff like that, you know, it just would give me, that gave me like, I think the motivation to also take on this path is Mm -hmm. because so like to let go all the material things, 
and really seek towards the spiritual. Not to say that I want to be homeless, but I just gained a lot of like insight from them in the way that on the way that they thought and looked at the world. You all, you would think that someone that's homeless would be like completely dejected, sad all the time, crying all the time, depressed all the time, and it wasn't really that way. That's only like they're you know I'd say that's only like. 15% of them, you know, they're doing a lot better than people that have like these, these jobs and work from end to end, you know, mm. so that was big and that reminds me of amazing as well. Very amazing. I love his work. Um, but I can go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when I ask people that question, they just keep going and I'm like, Oh, this yeah. is great. You know, you could just see all the people that, that help you along the way. And I feel the same way, you know, the mentors that come into your life and without them, it's tough, you know, it's tough work to do it alone. Um, you got to do a lot of work on your own, but just that little bit of the help uh, gives you that motivation to keep going. And it's funny, you brought up that example of homeless. Um, I always talk about, how people go to other countries, let's just say Honduras is my sister for an example, and they're just so happy and they have so much spirit. And it's like, they have nothing compared to us here in America. And we are miserable beyond belief. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's such an interesting dynamic that, that that's playing out. Yeah. And then, I mean, just really quick, there, there there's been studies on paleo, paleolithic um, people that still live like that, the hunter-gatherer. And they don't even know what what uh, insomnia is. They don't yeah. even know what depression is. They don't. It's not even in their vocabulary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Words really have power, and labels that we that we like to build. You know, we think we're building this this amazing intellectual intellectual intellectual. There we go. I can't even speak intellectual world. Um, but what we're doing is we're kind of digging our, a hole for ourselves. We're, yeah. we're we're making it a lot more difficult. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Um, so any future plans for yourself? I know you just started this business. You just started transitioning to wellness. Any future plans that you're hoping for? So, I mean, I'm just hoping to get the coronavirus over with, of course, <laughs> hopefully get back to Row House. Love Row House. Um, it kind of was like a trampoline at the end of my 12-story building. Um, so getting back there, but other than that, you know, just I don't really have any kind of plan. I'm just kind of doing this. I'm still learning as I go. Um, so there really is no plan. I'm just kind of taking things as they come mm. and uh, helping whoever I can help on the way. Uh, but, yeah, I really don't have too much plans. No. I like it. Go with the flow and, you know, yeah. the spirit will lead you as long as you keep pushing and, 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 and helping. Um, where can people find you? I'm sure there's a lot of interest in your material. Uh, where so, can people find you? Of course, we got the wedowellness.org. Um, it's spelled just like how it sounds. And then we also, I'm on Instagram at D underscore wellness underscore consultant all um, on there. So, and if you're, you're lost on Instagram, you can just put in we do wellness for you. You can also email us, we do wellness2020 at gmail.com. So those are all my uh, platforms. And yeah, we'll, we'll still be going. One thing is I, I, I've decided to keep the videos going because if they're not, if, if no one's learning from these videos, I've learned how to clean my house really efficiently. 
Daryl, on that, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Joseph. I appreciate it.